All right, welcome to the Church Planting Podcast. My name is Josh Taransky, and I'm joined here in studio by Clint Clifton. Hey, Josh. How's it going, Clint? Things are great. Good. Awesome. We're about to hear from Micah Freeze. You did yeah. an interview with him a little while back. Great content. Before we do that, um, we want to just thank people uh, for their reviews and sharing the podcast, helping us get it out there. Um, we always are appreciating that and looking for reviews and stars and whatever you can give on your platform to help us promote this podcast. Help I'm us always suspect when I when I look at a podcast <laughs> review and it has um, just perfect score, like right. all five stars. <laughs> Uh, so that's what so, our, so ours, I think, right? Ones. Yeah, I, I I think ours has all five star reviews. Perfect right streak. Now. I know, which wow. which is a little disturbing because when I look at somebody who has that many stars, I'm like somebody's somebody's padding the game here. <laughs> <laughs> so um, this podcast has been around for a little while. Um, you were doing this long before I joined the scene. Was born. Yeah. So the um, intended audience. Yeah. Who do you who do you think listens to this? Uh, my mom definitely <laughs> likes it. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the only person I know who listens. <laughs> no, uh, I I imagined it being listened to by um, hopeful church planters, hope, church planter wannabes. Yep. Folks who want to be church planters. Uh, all those who are church planting, um, and those who are in church planting leadership. Uh, and I, I hope that sending churches would listen to it too, yeah, but too. you know, I don't know that that's true that they do. Yeah. If you're a sending church and you'd listen to it and you would send us an email to let us know, that would make me feel very good. That's, that's a good, uh, yeah, we need that feedback loop. That would be excellent. I, I think that a podcast about church planting is a great gateway uh-huh. into the world. Like if you're toying with the idea, yeah. you're secretly stirred up, you haven't told your wife yet, uh-huh. and you want to just kind of engage the world of church planting, yeah. this, you know, 23, 25, 27-minute episodes yeah. about church planting. You, get inside of it. you know, one of the things yeah. that happens to me a lot, I don't know if you've ever had this, but people come up to me and they're like, hey, man, can you recommend a good church planting podcast to me? You know, <laughs> like people ask church planning questions all the time when I'm at events and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm always like, are you messing with me right now? Because, <laughs> but I don't Did think uh, somehow people don't know that, that this is a thing. But I mean, obviously, if you're listening, you know, but yeah. Uh, yeah uh, so I'm always like, well, I, I, I do one. You know, you could listen to that one. Exactly. That's an option. <laughs> yeah. No, it's good. Uh, all right. Well, let's, uh, let's introduce. Micah Freeze. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Micah from his days at Lifeway. I don't know what role he had in Lifeway, yeah. but I, he was often like associated with Ed Stetzer. Mm-hmm. He'd help Ed with content that would go up online. Yeah. So, um, but you know Micah from way back when, back in the day, back when you were um, running around college. Back when I had hair. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Long time ago. Long time ago. Yeah. Uh, um, can we just talk for one second about the the strange social phenomena that is everyone putting their old picture of themselves on oh, the internet? Yes. <laughs> what in the world <laughs> happened? <laughs> what? Who decided that was a good idea? And all the, you know, it was yes. like. But you, I felt social pressure to do it. Yeah, uh, I didn't put mine up, but I definitely used it and saw it. I put mine up. Yeah, Ev- almost everyone I know yeah. did it. Yep. It's we crazy. We all gave our information to the Russians. Well, you know? the yeah, the thing is, I um. I made mine and I showed it to my wife and she said, Oh, you look exactly the same. (laughs) And I was like, wow. Uh, My my wife said, I hope you don't have really have that receding hairline when you get that age. (laughs) 
She's planning her escape strategy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway, wow, I got off track. I'm sorry. We were talking about something no, really that's, valuable. No, that's worthy of getting off track. That has been quite a phenomenon over the last <laughs> couple of weeks, man. Uh, okay, Micah Freeze. Yeah. Um, you're the one that conducts this interview, yeah. and so you kind of direct where it's going. What are you hoping um, that guys will hear? Well, yeah, okay, if you're young, if you're young in ministry, uh, the, these friendships that you make in ministry are so valuable. I mean, Micah and I went to college together and we were, I mean, I, I remember the version of Micah that's just nothing like the version that there is now. And he remembers a version of me, you know, before we did anything uh, significant um, for the church or anybody. And uh, Micah has lived like three lives since we were in college together 20 years ago. He's been on the mission field and he's led a big organization. He's been a pastor and he's done all kinds of stuff. Um, as have I just been through many different kind of versions and it was just, it's, it's so fun to be able to just sit down and recap that and kind of, uh, see how the Lord's used us and see how the Lord sustained us. I mean, so many people who we went, we went to school with, or we began ministry with are not in, in ministry and that's very sad anymore. Uh, but, <clears throat> but I just, I, I, maybe you could hear in this, if you're a young uh, minister, uh, for young in ministry, how important those relationships are, yeah. how valuable they'll be over the life of your ministry. Cause, um, I see some guys siloing themselves, putting their head down at their church and really, really focus on their local ministry, but not really caring about or interacting with other pastors and other churches and having any kind of uh, connectivity uh, with other uh, ministers, but man, for me, in times of discouragement, distress, and difficulty, those uh, relationships with other people who have common experiences and mm. uh, are the very best uh, relationships that I have, the most meaningful relationships that I have. So anyway, um, our local churches are incredibly important. Lean into those, but keep margin in your life for uh, relating to other pastors in your community and other pastors that you've had long relationships with. Yeah. Man, that's excellent. I was just thinking about this yesterday with a friend of mine who planted a church. It was very successful, and he became untouchable. Like, he was a guy I wanted to have as one of my groomsmen. Mm -hmm. I thought he was my closest friend. Then he planted a church mm -hmm. and was like, all I could get to was his secretary. Yeah. And that... that was just so irritating to me. Yeah. I understand it a little bit better now, yeah. but I think it was a mistake. Right. And then I have another friend who's been doing ministry in Australia for years. And the guy faithfully calls me. He's been through some junk. Yeah. And he faithfully calls me every yeah. month just to check in. Huh. That's a good friend, yeah. you know? Yeah. And there's a there's definitely a value in that. And it's true. Guys, you know, the guys we went to that seemed like, man, these guys are going to have the next mega church in Bible college, yeah. you know? And now they're yeah they're shipwrecked. It's amazing how I mean, Mike and I. I think we might have touched on this in the interview, but uh, we were not the two guys you would have picked out on campus to have stayed, uh, been in ministry wow. long term, especially have done anything significant at all. So uh, it has been um, it's been amazing to see some of those people that were the the sort of brightest stars in school. You know, are are not mm. doing anything in ministry, and, and a matter of fact, some of them are have been in the faith altogether. And so, yeah, yeah it's wow. Been, well, it's a great conversation, and without further ado, let's just jump right into the episode. Micah. What's up, Clint? What is up? Not much, man. I'm glad to be here with you. We go back so far. Pre-either one of us being married. That's right. And we've both been married for almost two decades now. Yes, we have. So we've been friends and for a long time. we both have the unique, uh, rare credential of having a degree from the 
Baptist College of Florida. Yes. In Graceville, Florida. I mean, it's, it's... Where else do you want to go to Bible college than Graceville? That's right. Where it's the a, living is easy. It's a lesser known place. It is a lesser known place on Lake Albert. Yes, we could call it the sleeping giant of the evangelical world. We could. <laughs> That's possible. We could do. We definitely could call, call it, call it that. Things, <laughs> <laughs> it was a good education for me. I'm thankful for it. You and know. I got to hang out with guys like you. Yeah, yeah. We lived in really cheap, awful housing. Yeah. Not on campus. I'm talking about the on ca- off-campus stuff. Well, both on and off. No, on-campus. Yeah, <laughs> it was rough pretty, at times. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Micah, Micah and I um, gone back a long time. And, yeah, uh, yeah, we both married really well. Married up in a big way. Yeah, you married down and up. Yeah, she's four foot eight. And I'm six foot six. Yeah. So there's quite quite a disparity. There is us. a big gap. She's there. a much much better person than I am. Yeah, so. she really is a really great great person. And so we, uh, it's been fun to track. I mean, you know, you look back at through the Facebook feed. I know. It's path- it's sad. It's really sad. It's sad. The folks we went to school with who jail jail. Um, some yeah. deceased. Yeah. Moral failures. Lots of moral out of failures. ministry. Uh, I remember sitting in orientation, very first day in class, and them mm-hmm. saying, "Looking around, you know, X number of people yeah. won't be here." And I kept thinking, "Man, I know there, you know, that's, data doesn't lie. I'm sure yeah. that's what it's going to be." But I kept thinking, "Well, who's it going to be?" And mm-hmm. you look back 20 years later, and it it is it's sad. You know, we are not the guys that you would have picked out on campus no, as the ones that would still be doing it 20 years later. I was captain of the. Um, too dorky to hang out with club yeah i literally wore shirts and ties the first year or two you i did. was on campus as a college student you did yeah, yeah. and you were just freakishly tall and always very outgoing tall. and i've always been excessively outgoing yes nauseatingly and outgoing yes <laughs> and uh and then i was a music student which you were do you know that i was a music major my first semester i didn't know that I was colossally bad at it <laughs> and so it didn't last beyond one semester i was actually a dual major a music and theology and the music very quickly went by the wayside yeah but you were a music major and you were good at it well i was a music major and i don't know if i was good at it because i'm not doing it now but um, <laughs> there's that obviously wasn't that good at it yeah well uh, but uh yeah we're here at the southern baptist convention in uh, birmingham alabama speaking of great cities yeah great cities <laughs> and uh so we have both uh, been in this uh, Southern Baptist pool for. It's we have. What we grad. I graduated in um, 01. I did too. Okay. I graduated in May of 01. I did December of yeah. 01. Yeah. So I graduated semester after. And I mean, I I've been. I mean, Southern Baptist world has been my world since I was a little kid. Yeah. I, mean, I can remember going to Southern Baptist conventions. Um, my first one was 1995. I was 16 years old, I yeah. think, where we had the big racial reconciliation, yeah. sort of the apology, in Atlanta. Yeah. Met Reggie White there. Reggie White. Of all things, he was there. Yeah. <laughs> from Chattanooga, where I call home now. Yeah. From Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah, so we go way back in not only as friends, but just in Southern Baptist world. Yeah, yeah. It and been it's life. been fun. We haven't kept in touch a whole lot. We see each other once a year at the yeah, convention, right. and we text every now and then, And um, but, but we're always pinging into each other. Speaking of sort of going back a long ways, your home church is the church that, am I right, baptized Billy Graham? Yeah. That, yeah Billy Graham right. was baptized at the and church. Ordained and ordained. And ordained. That's church. remarkable. Yes, I was baptized and ordained. And nobody on the podcast will know what church that is. No, they won't, <laughs> but that's how we like to keep it. That's right. Yes, yes it is. Uh, well, Micah, um, a couple things. Just just to trace your um, what trajectory I see. Yeah, your trajectory. We got International Mission Board. Right out of college, went to West Africa and did church planning. Yep. Yep. And then uh, came back. 
Lots of seminary. Lots of seminary. Pastored three churches, worked yeah, for... Yeah, okay, start with Fre- Frederick Boulevard. Uh, Frederick was the second church. Second pastor. church. Pastored Missouri Valley Baptist yeah. Church, small church, 33 people my yeah. first Sunday there. Oh, the, yeah, there go. the church was in the middle of a cornfield. In fact, not, not a joke, within my first year or so there, one of the first things we did when I became the pastor was we raised up, the, uh, saved the money, raised the money to buy the cornfield between yeah. the highway and the church so we could cut it down. Uh, and plant grass because when the corn was up, you couldn't see the church <laughs> when you drove by. And uh, marketing 101, people need to see your church. And so it. we bought the cornfield and cut the corn down so that people could see the church when well, we drove by. It's a very basic move. It there's was, a, there's an was, analogy in there somewhere. There, about there are quite leadership. a few analogies, yeah. I think, in there. Yeah. So pastored there for about five years and then pastored uh, Frederick Boulevard Baptist yeah. Church. Which and, is a signif- uh, significantly bigger church than the first one. It was significantly bigger. Um, it, when we left there, 650, 700 in attendance, uh-huh. something like that. Yeah. So suburban, small, not suburban really so much a city of about uh, the total area around the city about a hundred thousand people yeah in northwest missouri and uh really um went from there to work for an entity work for lifeway for yeah but before that i remember i remember one of the one of the times when i really was like wow mike is mike isn't doing it uh ed listed you as one of the ed stetzer listed you as one of the top 10 uh southern baptists to watch for the future you remember that? Uh, I, I, I remember the article you're talking about. Yeah. It was an odd, and was I, an odd moment. I thought, I wonder how he came up with these conclusions. Yeah, exactly. What is this? What is this arithmetic? What is this, uh, you know? Algorithm. Uh, as algorithm is mathematical sort of yeah. conclusion that arrives yeah. in this It just is in his gut. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so then, yeah, went to Lifeway and did work for Ed Stetzer. Yeah. I, I think Stetzer. he knew he was going to hire you, or he wanted to butter you up to hire you. Probably. Her. That's what he was doing, make me take less money or something right, to go to exactly. work for exactly. I worked for him for almost four years, and then I moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I'm pastoring Brainerd Baptist Church Brainerd, now. Brainerd, great church. And, uh, uh, really Robbie, Gall- Robbie Gallaty, Robbie Gallaty was my there. predecessor, yeah. yeah, and Robbie did a phenomenal Boy, job. Good jo- good guy to follow, right? He is a very large guy to follow. Yeah. Um, I would lose a cage match. We're the same height, but he weighs two or three more pounds you know more yeah. than pure muscle and so um but the church was incredibly healthy when i got there he had really positioned it well and uh, and it's been good i mean we've had three years where it's just been faithful hopefully we have a lot more to come yeah no that's great okay so so you've been um in in those sorts of roles both in the local church and in entities yeah. um yeah. Uh, both uh, kind of on the ground level and in the leadership levels mm-hmm. and so yeah i mean there's so much going on in the convention right now so many changes happening and sometimes church planners really disengage from the convention or young pastors in general they disengage what are the reasons that you think they're disengaging i mean i've got my ideas but yeah i mean i think that well okay so it's a highly nuanced question the truth is because the southern baptist convention is what forty-eight thousand churches or something like that now and all the way across the u.s so there's a, a ton of reasons why i do think in general some of the reasons are one often the denominational life can be very distant yeah. and disconnected from boots on the ground what right. the planter is doing and and it doesn't have to be that way if the planters get engaged so that we know who they are yeah oftentimes there's a tighter relationship but if the planter doesn't know denominational life doesn't know people in denominational life and if we don't know that they're planting sometimes there can be broad disconnect i think often there's a lack of knowledge about who the sbc is i mean yeah. we, you know, I've got a friend who says that SBC churches are non-denominational churches that voluntarily partner for missions and theological education, which is by, I mean, technical definition, pretty accurate it's explanation pretty accurate. of who we are. I think that's very different than what a lot of people think of. Yeah. They think of deep hierarchy and they think of, you know, uh, if you think of, an, of a truer denomination like Methodism or Presbyterianism, right. that sort of thing, there's a top-down hierarchy. And I think there's some fear of that. 
And then, of course, there, there are admittedly justifiable reasons for some uh, bad history in yeah. SBC life. In more recent history, there's quite a bit of um, sniping at one another, you know, that has been present. And if you go all the way back 150-some years now, 100 and, well, actually 165 years or yeah. so, uh, you go to our founding in slavery, you know, pro-slavery position, right. posture. And so my African-American friends, that's one of the big things they have to overcome yeah. to be a part of it. So I, th I think there's a whole host of issues. Yeah. But I think the biggest one probably comes down to, well, how is there value for me and my church with the denomination? Exactly. I, I think that's it, too. I think we have yet to convince young pastors when I say young pastors, I mean pastors under 40, that there's there's genuine value. <laughs> I love the Southern Baptist Convention where I can be 40 years old and a young, and a young guy. pastor. Mm -hmm. I know, right. Praise the Lord. Yeah, yeah. This is, yes. Uh, but for for most of them, the the issue is that there's no value added. No they perceived can't see value. Any perceived there's no perceived value. value. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. And the truth of the matter is there's tremendous value. Yeah. But it's often not realized. And it's, com it's complex to understand the value because the value be. comes... Uh, not intangible things, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, and, and the tangible, even with the tangible things, I think one of the realities with a denomination as large as ours, Yeah. so I'm a big believer in institutions, Yeah. and of course we're in a time when institutions aren't highly valued right. and prized. Institutions have always existed and I think will likely always exist. Yeah. But the thing about institutions is there is a fair amount of nuance and complexity yeah. with institutions. And church planners are used to simplicity. Yeah. And highly relational context, right. right? And so if you're going to engage in the denomination, you have to at least have a comprehension of the complexity yeah. within the denomination. And it, and, it should, and it doesn't need to scare you. Yeah. Unnecessary complexity is a problem. But there's always inherent complexity in institutions that are large. Yeah. And I think one of the things, too, with church planners particularly is when they get involved in convention life, they, they mainly get involved in convention life as recipients of yes, convention right. resources. That's right. That's right. And so it's hard for them to break out of that mode yeah. uh, because they're receiving, receiving. They're doing this very hard work and they're receiving from the convention. And when they do get to a place where they have their sort of feet under them and, and the resources stop coming toward right. them, then they, they sort of have an entitlement. It's sort of right. like... Right. They don't. They don't. Then flip that switch to say, okay, now it's time for me to be an investor. So I like to joke and ask church planners, like, when are you no longer a church planner? Yeah. I mean, I'll see a guy who's been, you know, planted the church ten years yeah. ago. They're running three hundred and fifty people, and he'd be like, hey, I'm a church planner, and yeah. you know, so and so, will you help right. provide some support for us? I'm like, dude, you're, you know, five times the size of the average evangelical yeah. church in exactly. North America. You're ten years old. You're not a church planner anymore. Yeah. You're an established church pastor. But I think making that turn is difficult. I think yeah. you're right. It's like being a kid. Yeah, it's like exactly. Like, how do you go yeah. from being a child who's grown up used to being able to have people take care of things for you yeah. to all of a sudden realizing, I can't look around and find somebody to do this. Like yeah. my car broke down. I'm responsible. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and so, I, I think figuring out. Church planners figuring out how to make that switch. So usually that's where the value stops for a church planner. Yeah, that's it, right. it stops there when the when resources the money stop, up, when the money dries up, yep. and they don't find any further value in being involved. Right. So make a case for for just a minute. Like, help us. Uh, we said it's complex. We said it's nuanced. Yes. But help them understand. Okay. Let's do some of this. First, um, there is a fundamental biblical principle, in my, in my estimation, uh, that mandates partnership for the advance of the gospel. Right. I would argue the entire book of Philippians is centered around the concept of partnership. I know people say that the book of Philippians is a book about joy. Yeah. I think that's a secondary theme. I think the dominant theme in Philippians is partnership for the advance of the gospel. Yeah. And joy is a reality that flows out of gospel yeah. partnership. Yeah. Right? So all our Christians say, well, joy is present in Philippians. Why don't I have joy? My question is, well, do you have gospel partnership? Joy is a ramification of gospel partnership. Yeah. So first, you can't get away from partnership for the advance of the gospel. Right. 
And that doesn't mean you have to be a part of the other SBC right, or any other course. denomination. But I would say you do have to be a part of something yeah. where you're linking arms with other churches saying, how do we collaboratively advance the gospel together? Because the world's too big for any of us to individually do it on our own. Right. Let's take the biggest church in the world that runs 500,000 people yeah. in, you know, Yoidaful Gospel Church in Seoul, South Korea, runs half a million people. Yeah every weekend that's massive and ridiculous yeah. and they can't reach their country right i mean they're just not big enough you know right. it's not there's no sufficient resources to allow one church to do that so theologically i think there's a theological argument that we have to value and prize partnership and there is a reality among some church planners and i'm a pastor now of a fairly large church among larger church pastors too to say we're going to do this on our own we're going to yeah. drive the bus we're going to do what we want to do y'all can join us if you want and i do that to some degree yeah. I and mean, there's some element of that but there has to be some inherent humility yeah. within us as pastors and leaders to say, okay, we don't have to know everything mm-hmm. and we don't have to drive everything, right. but we do have to reach people with the gospel and we need one another to do that. Yeah. So first reason, because the Bible tells us to, yeah. not to be a part of the SBC, but to partner. Right. Second of all, the SBC has a long history of doing this well. Yeah. And there have been times when we haven't done it as well. We have a long history of doing it well. Yeah. And uh, we need to be able to sort of find a way to coalesce around that and, uh, I'm a big believer that there are issues in the SBC. Yeah. We do really, th- we do things really well. They're big, you know. But the thing is, if we want to fix the issues and marshal the resources of the SBC, um, I've got a friend uh, who who works at one of our seminaries, and she likes to say, you know, the deci- decisions are made by those who are in the room. So yeah. I want to encourage church planners. You want to, you want the, the massive resources of forty-eight thousand churches. Yeah. I mean, what's Nam get seventy-five million dollars from the Annie Armstrong yeah. Christmas offering and. The IMB gets $150 million from the International right. Mission Board. That's $225 million just through our two special offerings. Yeah. You want to marshal the resources of 48,000 churches, $225 million in missions offering, not even counting cooperative program and all of that. Then be, be a part and get in the room. Yeah. Right? Let's get in the room together. And I'll tell you, you and I have watched this. Yeah. The SBC today is not the SBC 20 years no, ago when not. we got involved. Man, it's so much better. I So... I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. Maybe yeah. you don't want to answer this. I don't know. Sure. Would you have loved, loved to work with NAM 20 years ago? Of course not. No, I mean, I think that might be some of what got me hired. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when right. when we first started the conversation, when I first started talking to folks from NAM, my, the, my first phone call was Kevin's office calling out saying, hey, tell me about your experience with NAM. And I basically spent the next 15, 20 minutes one. saying – my experience with NAM has been awful, yep. you know, and uh, then he, uh, they called me back and invited me to come share that again with a larger group of people and then a larger group of people. And that's that's what led to me working there. See, that's the point. Yeah, it's the point. Yeah. I mean, we've we've seen a massive shift in our culture, in our entities and in our institutions. We have great leaders like I mean, I know I'm on a NAM podcast, but I'm a massive Kevin Ezel fan. Yeah. I joke with my friends, Kevin Ezel for president of everything. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm down for that 100 yeah. percent. I trust some of these guys. Yeah. Uh, not all of them, but, you know, I mean, Kevin is one of those guys I trust. I'm yeah. with him. Yeah. And uh, I think there are legitimate reasons why it's easy to rally around Kevin and Nam and the Sin strategy. Our church is the lead partner out in, I don't know what they're called, but each Sin, Sin City, City has yeah. a lead. Lead partner. Yeah. Par- is you that a lead partner? Yeah. Is that yeah. the actual language? So we're the lead partner with Sin Phoenix. You know, yeah. we go out there. We sent a pastor and some church members out there last summer to plant a church. And we go out there a couple times a year yeah. taking pastors out there. It's so easy for me to try and, quote, sell pastors yeah. on phoenix and nam and yeah. the sin strategy because it's a brilliant strategy yeah. that's effective yeah nam has not always been effective no yeah i mean but right now name a better church planning organization that's as effective and accountable as nam is yeah I mean, there are great organizations out there and i'm fans of them and i will wave the flag for them all day yeah. long but i nam's just at the top of the list yeah so i mean that's a huge answer 
Theological education, right? That's another right. good argument. Man. You're getting your education at half off. Right. And by the way, I want to say to people, if you get your education at half off, if you get supported by Southern Baptist, don't bail on the denomination after you get done. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't treat the denomination as your sugar daddy, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, we benefit from it. Then let's turn around and contribute back to it and provide a pathway for those behind us to yeah. be able to engage. Yeah. Not only not only is it the half off thing, but I mean, the, our institutions are, are great institutions. They're phenomenal. I mean... Uh, yeah, I, I saw I saw a list of the top uh, ten evangelical seminaries in the United Largest States. Largest seminaries in the U.S. Yeah, uh, yeah and we're, we're six, our all six, six of ours are in the are top on 10. the top ten. That's right, unbelievable. And, I mean, when we look at our seminaries, we look at the, the smaller seminaries, yeah. right? And we think, oh, you know, that's a small little seminary. Yeah. The rest of the world looks at our small seminaries and goes, man, I would kill for our seminaries to yeah. be like that. Yeah, right. And so, uh, and I mean, there are great movements out there besides yeah. the Southern Baptist. Yeah. I'm a fan. We're broadly collaborative at our church. Yeah. But we're also committed as Southern Baptists. We don't have to. That's the other beautiful thing. Southern yeah. Baptists are known historically as sort of being, I'm going to take my ball and go home sort yeah, of people. Yeah. We're not that anymore. No. Nope. I mean, we are, we're Southern Baptists. We're committed to it. But, man, we play with a lot of other evangelicals. Yeah, we do. And uh, we try and build the kingdom together. So I, I tell people, like, if you're doctrinally, theologically where we're at, yeah. why would you not want to be with Yeah. Because I mean, you could be Southern Baptist and still com- commit and partner right. with these other groups. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. It was again. funny. I've been, you know, I've been working with McLean Bible Church for the past uh, several years. And McLean, if, if, you, if you're not, not familiar, McLean's a large, very large church um, on the on the East Coast in the Washington area. And they they had no relationship with any denomination or organization right. like the right. SBC. And when um, I started floating the idea to their senior leadership about being involved in the SBC. They said, no, that, that can never work. It can never work. Of course. And we look at it and we like, yeah, it could never work probably. Right, but, right, right. but when we started talking brass tacks, what does it I make, said, what does it cause to, yeah, what, has to happen well, to what would have to happen? Yeah, We'd yeah, have to put Baptist in our name, right? No, well, yeah. of course not. You don't no, have to put Baptist uh-uh. in your name. Gotta well, give well, how much do we have to, what's the know, quota? What's the quota? Yeah. There is and, uh, and when we started getting down to it, I mean, the reality is that to be a part of the SBC, right. um, the requirement, of That's course, right. we want churches to do much more than this, but That's the requirement right. is a minimum of $250 a year or something right. like that something given like to that. the cooperative program. Yeah, that's right. um, and um, for that, you get the benefit of all of your members that's right. going to seminary for half price, half off. being able to send any God-called qualified person on the mission field fully funded. Domestically or globally. I- incredible. Right. Globally fully funded in particular. Globally yeah. fully funded. Yeah. I mean, uh, church funding resources, not to That's mention right. a publishing house that doesn't uh, have the bottom line as their That's their right. primary goal. That's uh, right. It's publishing. I, I mean, I used to work for them. So right. And I've published with them. I mean, publishing incredible content. Okay. I yeah. believe in them. I, it is. I mean, I think if you were just to say to a Christian, uh, you know, that was a good thinker, hey, if you could just reach the whole world for Jesus, right. what would you right. do? Right. What would the, Give me all the elements of it. They That's draw right. a map that would look something like the Southern Baptist Convention. This is the thing, and I think, you know, there, there is no genuine persecution of Christians in the U.S. Right. I know some people will say that every once in a while. It's not true. There is marginalization, however, right? Yeah. So we see that yeah. from time to time. And I think as marginalization grows, we're going to continue to find ourselves increasingly wanting to be together. Yeah. Our differences are going to fade away a little yeah. bit. Not that we're not going to hold to them. Right. We're just not going to divide over them as much. Yeah. And that's why I think I think we're seeing that already happen. That's why you can have someone, you know, who tends to be more traditional, conservative, evangelical, like a David Jeremiah yeah. who wants to come in and yeah. be a part of our family. Yeah. You've got Harvest Churches. You've got X29 Churches. You've got Matt Chandler. <laughs> you got Mark Dever. You've got Mark Dever. <laughs> I mean, so you've got this yeah, broad coalition. Huge. Yeah. I mean, certainly conservative. Right. We believe the truth of the Bible, the inerrancy of Scripture, that sort of thing. Yeah. And that's broadly agreed upon. 
But outside of that, there is, I love the diversity of our I family. And I, I think it's too. strengthened. Here's the thing. We often want to affiliate with those who are just like us. Yeah. And so you see networks popping up. Yeah. And I'm a fan of networks within the context of the denomination, yeah. in my estimation. Yeah. But a network that sort of functions outside of a denomination, I don't think is as healthy no. to have everybody who's just like you. Yeah. I pastor a 91-year-old church that has a ton of history and has older folks and younger folks and everyone in between. And I think that's a strength. And it's tense a lot of times. Yeah. But that tension forces us to be sharp right. and better. When all we're doing is hearing ourselves talk back and forth, yeah. we get sharp. Yeah. And the SBC, yeah, we have these annual meetings and it's got crazy Uncle Al's and, you know, they all get a microphone. It's yep. the beauty of our family. Yeah. But you know what it does? It sharpens us. Mm -hmm. It forces us to think through what we believe and how yeah. we work that stuff out. And yeah, sometimes we don't move as fast as I'd like us to, but institutions do move slowly. Yeah. But we're also a lot harder to kill. Yeah. We're long lasting. So I, I mean, I don't disagree with all of the critique of the SBC. There's just so much to love and be engaged. Yeah. In. Yeah. I just, I, I hope that the next resurgence we see is a resurgence in appreciation for this, because I think our generation, you and I's generation right. of pastors wrote off. Yes, that's right involvement in denominational that's life right. that's right and said that's not helpful but i'll tell you i see right now a renaissance of interest and commitment to mm -hmm. denominational life I, I mean i'm watching it happen where mm -hmm. more and more people outside of the family are mm -hmm. looking in i was talking to someone the other day who spent his entire life outside of the sbc yeah in an independent type movement yeah he's been sbc now for about six seven years mm -hmm. he said i want to ask where are all the SBC people around me who never told me that this was a possibility? Right. Like, where was this all my life? Yeah. And uh, the folks I'm talking to who are coming in and being a part, I mean, they, African-American friend of mine in Chattanooga who pastors mm. one of the oldest historic African-American churches, they became SBC about seven years ago. Yeah. And he caught a lot of grief for it. I mean, yeah. it was hard for him. But he told me, he said, Micah, he said, the value of us doing this together. Now he's on staff part-time as one of the church planning catalysts for our state convention. That's amazing. Which is incredible. Yeah. Um, and, and, but he told me, he said, the value of just being able to do this together, it's yeah. just too good. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I know uh, we sound like we're giving a big old fat commercial for the SBC here. Nobody's but, paying me to do uh, this. Nobody's paying us. Which of course, <laughs> you're on a denominational <laughs> payroll, Clint, but I guess I'm not. So. I'm not. Yeah, you have been though. So <laughs> I have uh, been on multiple occasions. <laughs> um, they, they still own you in part. Yes. That's um, true. <laughs> uh, but I mean, honestly, it feels like to me a big discrepancy in our convention and that's the correct. loudest complainers. That's right in the SBC right now are the young guys who aren't doing anything to engage. Yeah. And this, it's kind of like voting, right? Like, I mean, yeah. you earn the right to say something yeah. when you are invested in the process. I complain a lot and I go back and I look over some of the stuff I said 15 years ago yeah. when I first started blogging and yeah. it embarrasses me now. <laughs> um, angry young white guy, you know, I mean, yeah. that was me and it embarrasses me now. But one thing I learned almost two decades ago was just the opportunity to be involved. Yeah. And, you know, I think I've had some people ask, well, how do you get involved? Because, you know, I've served in committees on the national level and yeah. as an officer on the state convention level, and that sort of thing. And I really think to be involved means to just care and invest. Yeah. Well, it's and a, it'll provide it's, opportunities. It's like time and attention, too. It's like I That's give right. I gi I will give my time to this thing That's right. because I, I think what happens in so many occasions is where like young guys are in the peanut gallery, particularly church planners. We have an awful reputation sure. that church planners do for this. Yeah, but I'll tell you, a lot of the church planners now are fantastic. Yeah, no, they're great. Guys. I mean, so many of them are great. They're level headed. They're smart right. dudes. Uh, but they look at the whole you know, thing that is the denominational life right. on the state convention level, local association level, the national convention mm -hmm. level. And they just go like, I just don't think that's worth it. Right. right. You know, and 
yeah, I always want to say like, but it is. Trust yeah. me, it is worth it. Like, and I mean, you know, to, the beauty of the, the the SBC is a lack of connectionalism. Like, you could be involved in one level and not involved yeah. in the others. You can yeah, be involved, in, and if you're going to be involved in all of them, an associational level, mm-hmm. a state convention level, and a national level. It's going to require a couple, three weeks out of your year. I mean, it's going to require two or three weeks out of your year at a minimum. Yeah. But I I dare you to find a better spent two or three weeks. I mean, I'll just, this is my experience now. And I get it. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a denominational nerd, you know, and I have been doing this for a long time, but four days at the SBC are just about my favorite days all year. Not exactly, but they're close because it's my family. Yeah. This is somebody asked me one time when things weren't looking great in the SBC, what are you going to do, Micah? So I'm not going to leave. I mean, I can't. It's like a divorce for me. These are my people. Yeah. But we just keep working at it. And now we've seen a massive, that was probably 12 years ago. Yeah. 13 years ago, as a matter of fact. Now we see this massive shift. Yeah. And I love being a part. Yeah. The the last decade's been good. I know we have a lot of challenges in front of us. We Um, do. Especially, you know, those numbers that just came out were discouraging. They continue to be discouraging. Yeah. But, um, but I, I feel more optimism about them turning around now than I did 10 years ago. And a lot of it's related to leadership. Yeah. And I'll tell you one of the things right now about leadership that I think does matter to the church planners is that character, there's a high premium yeah, on character in our true. leadership right now. That is now. true. And I don't know that we've always done that as well as we should have. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there has been times in our past where there's some personality-driven reality yeah. where people have sort of gotten a pass at times. I just don't see that as much anymore. Yeah, I don't either. I don't see it. I, I know a number of the entity heads... My experience with them has been a high level of character, yeah. a deep level of passion, yeah. love for people, love for the word. Yeah, me too. That sort of thing. Well, uh, Micah, uh, think just one more question, maybe yeah. in the church planning category. You're thinking about church planner, yeah. b- big picture landscape. You're all involved in denominational life. You've seen uh, church planners on every level, both overseas and, and here. Yeah. You know, Give me one thing that you're optimistic about in general. Mm-hmm. Um, about what's going on with church planning and one thing that maybe it would be a warning from you. So I think the thing I'm most excited about right now with church planting is the move towards more bivocational church planters. Mm -hmm. I think this is a huge value and will increase our effectiveness long term. Not that I want church planters to always be bivocational, Mm -hmm. but I think there's a high level of effectiveness that when they start out as bivocational, embedded in the community, And to me, one of the major issues that I'm deeply concerned about is financial viability over yeah. the long term. Man, I've watched ch- I've, one of my very, very good friends watched him plant a church in a very difficult area and saw it just take off. 300 people in three years, and four years in, they shut the doors mm. because they had a heavy, heavy, heavily funded model yeah. in the beginning. And even though they were running really well, those folks were still new to the faith and weren't giving well. Yeah. And they didn't have a fun- so literally the advance of the gospel was impeded because of a bad financial strategy. Yeah. So I love the push towards a higher level of church, bivocational church planners. Yeah. And I think that that is um, encouraging. I think the one thing I would be um, cautious about, so church planning has begun to be, has been a premium in the SBC now for a decade maybe. Would you say that's fair? A premium? Uh, yeah, church planning as a whole? Where we've yeah. kind of championed Value, it. Yeah. It's been a high value yeah, it's for been, us. It's been kind of like a gradual growth. It has but, been. But definitely it started decade. a decade ago or so. So here's my, my fear is that we begin to just assume that church planning is fine. Yeah. And we don't, um, and churches are not aggressively continuing to pour eggs, dollars, energy, mm. and emphasis towards church. Look, yeah. I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Yeah. According to B- George Barner, we're the most church city in North America. Mm-hmm. I think that means we're arguably the most church city on the planet. Yeah. Um, significantly less than 20% of our population attends an evangelical church every weekend. Right. In the most church city in North America. Yeah. 
I need five new churches a week in my city. Yeah. The most church city in North America. Right. So let's extrapolate out to Atlanta, Chicago, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Portland, Seattle, Phoenix, where we're working. Uh, You know, Phoenix, where we're working right now, the average evangelical church in America is 85 people in worship every weekend. Yeah. If you look at the number of people, it's the fastest growing city in the country two years in a row. You look at the number of the net growth of Phoenix. We're planting through NAM 17 churches a year in Phoenix. Yeah. To keep up with the growth alone, if we planted average-sized churches, we need to plant 17 every Sunday, 52 yeah. weeks a year, yeah. just to match the growth of the city. Yeah. We, I'm just fearful of us sort of hitting that point where we, be, we begin to assume that the church planting machine is running. I don't yeah. think NAM's going to do that. No. But I'm worried about the churches doing that. Yeah. And those of us who are pastors, those who are pastoring established churches like I do have got to continue to keep it as a premium. Otherwise, we're just going to struggle to be effective moving down the road. And with the number of churches that are shutting their doors, we actually have to multiply right now yeah. and, and and increase the number of churches we're yeah. planting. Yeah, I mean, I, those numbers, just to, just to keep things, the, the line flat, is we're, we're not We're pacing. not keeping the yeah, numbers we're not flat. Keeping numbers In fact, flat. we're decreasing right yeah. now. All the emphasis on church planting over the last yeah. decade, and we're losing ground right now, just we, with Southern Baptist which churches Which means alone. to say, it w- which we could quadruple the quadruple the number of uh, dollars and resources and man manpower hours that we're putting into church planting and and, and just may maybe get over that threshold well and the good news is kevin says the money's ready right now we've right. got the money and right. we're one of the first times in a long time that both north american mission board and imb both say they've got more money than missionaries yeah we just need the qualified people right. so if you feel called to church planting you need right. to be going through the pipeline process yeah. at nam yeah, Looking not only do we have the money now, but we have the infrastructure for training, That's equipping, right. coaching, care, uh, assessment to choose the right people. My goodness, we were not right. even choosing the right people. That's the problem. I mean, we for such a long church. Well, right. Now we have it. We have a machine now that sorts people out. It, it's not it's not self-appointed anymore. That's right. yeah. you know, well, just, God called me. Are you sure? Or did you just have roast beef too late last <laughs> yes, night? Like exactly. we, got, we had no way to tell the difference. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard to tell between indigestion. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know. So, uh, Micah, it's been fun to talk to you. Yeah, man. Uh, Always appreciate cool. all that the Lord's done in your life. And we thank love you. watching what you're doing in D.C. Thanks, man. Hey, podcaster, thanks for listening to the Church Planting Podcast. Hopefully, it's been useful and helpful to you in your ministry. And if it has, we'd like you to do two things for us. First, we'd like you to subscribe. If you subscribe right there in your podcast application for the Church Planting Podcast, then every time a new episode is posted uh, midday on Wednesdays, that will show up in in your podcast feed and you won't have to search for us every time you want to listen. So that's the first thing you can do. The second thing you can do is simply click that share button in your application and uh, post about the church planning podcast, either your favorite episode or the podcast as a whole on your favorite social media platform. That would be a huge help to us and it would help other folks who are out there trying to start new churches glean from the wisdom of those who are featured on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Church Planting Podcast. We'll be back next week with a new episode.